This is The Guardian. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello and welcome to the Guardian Football Weekly. And in the end, all very comfortable for England. Marcus Rashford, the hero, scoring twice and causing the Welsh trouble all night. 1-2 for Clammers' Phil Foden in the second half. That will be very satisfying for Gareth Southgate. For Wales, gather yourselves for whimsical sadness from Ellis James. Rob Page's side just didn't turn up in this tournament. This wasn't the game where it went wrong. We'll reflect on their journey to get here. The US joined England in the last 16 after a nervy 1-0 win over Iran. Christian Pulisic with the goal. What does that do to our anti-US agenda? In Group A, Senegal deservedly get past Ecuador, while the Netherlands, Qatar, won't get extensive coverage today. There's all that, plus incredibly biased reviews of one co-commentator, some Tom Kerridge, a bleak dream, plus your questions. And that's today's Guardian Football Weekly. On the panel today, Barry Glendening, welcome. Hello. Uh, Troy Townsend, hello. Hi, Max. Uh, There was a tweet uh, about 55 minutes into this match from Ellis James saying, Max, I've tried to pull out tonight (laughs) and you know this. Ellis, it's very good of you to come on. Good evening. (laughs) (laughs) What's really pleasing, actually, is when the Zoom started, Ellis looked distraught and Barry just burst out laughing. And it made me feel... A lot better, Barry. You don't just laugh at me when England lose. You'll just laugh at anyone when anyone loses. Um, no, it was just his, his face was a picture of abject misery and, and still is. He's got his head in his hands, hiding behind his big microphone that looks like an old-style sort of football commentator microphone. Now he's removed one hand. Oh, now he's removed both yeah. hands. He, yeah, I'll let him now. speak. <laughs> Well, I tell you what. I tell you what. Um, uh, we'll go to Barney Ronnie first, who is at the Ahmed Bin Ali Stadium. Uh, Barney, um, did you enjoy that? Yeah, I did. I really enjoyed it. Actually, um, I enjoyed both halves for different reasons. And the first half was kind of an absurdity. Um, it was just it was like a kind of um, parody of a stodgy England performance, and it was kind of fun. I loved Harry Maguire's insane veering run um, which looked amazing you'd see him going left he was like it was like a kid you know playing in his school shoes it's like I'm going left I'm going left I'm go- I can't turn I can't turn I'm stuck and then he just smashed the ball out and the other- you don't often see professional footballers kick a ball like that it was like a it was the way I kick a ball sort of amateur weird veering arc um, and that was good and then the second half was kind of you know there was the little change the switch they uh, moved Rashford and Foden the kind of thing we often criticise them for not doing, changing the game in-game. And it broke the game open. They both scored from those flanks. And Wales just sort of fell apart after that. They were tired. They're not a very good team. Uh, sorry, Wales. I mean, they haven't won in seven games. They don't score. And um, England just kind of ran away with it. And I think that we should praise Gareth Southgate. We should say England got through what was on paper the toughest group. They've scored nine goals. They've only conceded against Iran, and I like Iran. Um, and so uh, they've done very well. They haven't lost a group game under Southgate, and uh, the real World Cup will start now, I think. Ian says, to what extent can Chesney Hawks be credited with that result? It was a very poor first half. We didn't see Chesney's halftime show, but you did. How was it? It was actually really good. Um, he's only got one song, but he, <laughs> yeah. he can do it really well. After all these years, you, should, you he, fucking hope so. He's mastered that song, and <laughs> it is he is the one and only. And he uh, was really good to see. He looks great. You know, he's found a place out here somehow. They know who he is, and um, no, he was really he was really up for it. He was really pumped. You know, it's great to have Chesney around the camp. He's good around the lads. <laughs> He's, 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 he's vying with Connor Cody for, for being important. He's, 
He's not around the lap. He's not there the whole time, is he? Well, he, he, just, he, he was. Every time. Is there a, I saw a picture of him wearing an England shirt and loads of accreditation sitting on the bench laughing and looking like just great. He was Everyone looked pumped and lifted by Chesney's presence. Um, so hopefully he sticks around. Who else stood out? Rashford, obviously. Who else stood out for you in that game? Well, Phil Foden was good, even in the first half when everyone was bad. Because, um, I mean, basically England need to play like they did in the first half. The first half is a more accurate reflection of what is required to like go on in the tournament. They just did it sort of badly. They, their, their position at the back is still in that mode where he basically invented that way of playing to stop because the defence was weak and it was brittle and he wanted to be able to keep the ball and control the game. But if you watch a really good club team, you know, pep team, that position at the back is also aggressive. They get in their positions and then they start looking for spaces. But with England, it's still just patting it around. They just pass to each other. John Stone's looking kind of confused on the board. It's sort of ruminative, it's like walking around in a piece of green. And there will be more of that. They just need to find a way of moving between the lines a bit better. Um, but but I thought Foden, even in the first half, showed that he he's kind of um, just got more... He knows how to play against teams at City. He knows how to take the moments. There were a couple of really nice runs and hopefully he'll get some confidence from that because he hasn't been good for England. There's all this kind of, he's the new, he's the clamour guy. You've got to clamour for him. But he did play really well. I think it was his best game for England. And that's really encouraging because he's their most skillful, creative player. Uh, Barney, thanks for coming on, mate. Appreciate it. All right, cheers, bye. Thank you, Barney. Barney, Ronnie there. Dan says, what will we do to celebrate the World Cup when we can't lose? Lucian says, as it stands, England are the highest scorers in the tournament. Is it time to take the handbrake off? Uh, thoughts from the three of you then. Uh, while Ellis has his head in his hand, Troy, you're an Englishman. I will go to you first. What did you make of that game? I don't want to be as harsh on Wales as what I want. Now that I've seen Ellis and, and how crumbled he is, I don't want to be as harsh <laughs> as maybe I should be, but I thought they were awful. Yeah, I thought they were awful. <laughs> Honestly, I... Carry I, on, Troy. Be honest. Thank they you. They couldn't pass the ball. They couldn't gain control of the game. They're carrying at least three players and they're the three senior players. That's the way it looked to me. I wasn't surprised that Gareth Bale came off, whatever the, the reason was for him coming off. But Aaron Ramsey was just as bad. They couldn't get any foothold in the game whatsoever. And it was only a matter of time if they didn't change and they couldn't change really... Um, that England were going were gonna to start scoring goals. Rashford should maybe have scored a, a little bit earlier, but his second half performance is the Marcus Rashford of old, wasn't it? And England ran out comfortable. And when you see Gareth, um, sorry, yeah, Gareth Southgate making substitutes that early, including taking off Harry Kane, then you know it's a comfortable game. Um, and yeah, massively disappointed with Wales. England did what they had to do. I've got some left in the tank for... The first knockout round, you know, regardless of what people think, they've qualified and they've qualified in the manner that they would have wanted to, you know, and, and that's it. And now it's down to the knockouts and it, it, it's who turns up and who's brave enough in those in those knockout round games now. Imagine, imagine how harsh Troy would have been if he wasn't holding back. <laughs> Go on then, Ellis, how do you feel? Oh, I was very, very disappointed, very despondent. You've got to look at it in context and I think there are two ways to look at this if you look at this in the context of our form 1958 to present delighted to be there uh, other than Qatar the hosts were easily the smallest country in the World Cup uh, in terms of population which obviously speaks volumes so yeah you know thrilled to be um, thrilled to have qualified if you look at it in the context of the last six or seven years it is a real kick in the teeth that we seem to have saved the three worst performances, Welsh performances I can remember for a long time for the highest stage. I can't be angry at the players because you can never question their commitment. However, other than, I was trying to think about when we'd played this badly last and we played Hungary and Croatia. A few days ago, Well, I yeah, I mean... I mean <laughs> <laughs> prior to this World Cup. I remember we played Hungary and Croatia in a double header. It must have been in the summer of 2019 for in qualification for Euro 2020. And that, they, those were pretty poor games. So, yeah, I, I, you know, we weren't good enough in any position on the pitch and we were totally outclassed by England. And the thing with England as well, just when you look at the subs they brought on, the, the, Southgate's got such strength in depth. 
at his disposal. Um, there's a really good team in there somewhere. And I don't know if he's the man to get the best out of this England team. But certainly, when you look at the squad, you think that's a really, really... There's some really, really good players at England's disposal. It's just frustrating. It also, it, it does feel a, a little bit like the end of an era and time for a rebuild. The last time we had a big rebuild was under John Toshak. Um, and what didn't help him... Well, I suppose it's dependent on who you believe. But one th- problem he was saddled with was that all, pretty much all of Mark Hughes' senior players from the previous campaign retired pretty much at the same time. And I don't think that will happen this time round. But I think that this this team is probably, is probably nearing the end of its cycle. But ultimately, I was, I was only in Qatar for the first game. I only went to the USA game, so I saw the goal. <laughs> Uh, which is a, a memory I will take with me to the grave. But it, it's a disappointing way to bow out. The other thing is, if you look at our home form, for instance, our home form going back to 2014, I think it is. I think we've lost two games in Cardiff. So it is frustrating that the if you, if you just, you know, if you, if, you, if you hadn't watched us in qualifying or if you hadn't watched us in the Nations League or in qualifying for 2016 or 2020, you could be forgiven for thinking that we were absolutely rubbish and we were we were we were poor in this tournament. You can't deny that. So it's disappointing because I don't think that's us. However, it's happened. Um, so we just need to yeah we need to brush ourselves off, dust ourselves down, and uh, and and qualify for 2024 now. Barry, England were. England were good, weren't they? I mean, they they took their time to get going. They had a couple of decent chances in the first half, but once Wales let them in, then it was sort of it seemed incredibly straightforward, actually. Yeah, um, they weren't brilliant in the first half. They, as you say, it took a while to get going. But once they scored the Rashford free kick, am I right in thinking is that the first free kick anyone scored in this tournament? I think so. Yeah, yeah, seems remarkable. But anyway, brilliant free kick. And Phil Foden, you know, Gareth gave the public what they wanted, or give the people what they want, and he scored tapping at the far post uh, with Kane assisting, and that was it, really. I, I'm going to switch my attention to Iran USA at that point, but without wanting to, to riff on Ellis's pain, the, the opposition was pretty negligible, and but, you know, you cannot complain about a 3-0 win whoever you're playing at a World Cup. No. I mean, the free kick. The free kick. Ewan Murray, um, the Guardian's Scottish football correspondent, says, I expect little to be said about the fact Foden blatantly dived for that free kick. And, and it, was a good free, it was a good free kick, Troy. But I, I do wonder if Danny... It's almost like Danny Ward made himself small. Sort of the reverse Schmeichel for that free kick. <laughs> <laughs> I, actually, I actually agree that I... Sorry, <laughs> Sorry, I was really tickled. I agree. Me. I didn't think it was a foul. <laughs> the reverse Schmeichel. <laughs> um, I didn't think it was a foul, so I thought they got lucky. But Rashford just put it in the right area. And, and Ward, yeah, he hasn't covered himself in any glory tonight. as he, he's, It's definitely not his recent Leicester City performances. And probably when Wales needed him most coming in for Henderson, Hennessy, sorry, um, It'd be different if he'd come in for Henderson, I'm sure. Um, Hennessy, then, uh, you know, like everybody else on the field of play for Wales, he, he just wasn't up to it. But a great strike from Marcus, and I think that's where his confidence came from in the second half. Because he was just on the edge of the game for most of it in the first half, apart from that opportunity. But then his eyes brightened up and, you know, he shut the ball down for Ben Davis for the second goal for Harry Kane. And then obviously got the third as well. So, yeah, he'll come off with all the plaudits. Although, for me, Bellingham still is the standout player in that England team. And I thought it was a standout player tonight as well. England's third goal was the 100th goal scored by the England team at the World Cup. Here's Barry and Ellis to count them down from 100 <laughs> to 1. <laughs> um, that ball from Kane, Barry, was pretty special, wasn't it? I mean, I, maybe I'm giving him too much credit. I don't know. But it was sort of, it was eye-of-the-needle stuff to Phil Foden. Well, it was eye-of-the-needle stuff, but he didn't actually look where he was crossing it, so that there may have been an element of luck to the precision of the pass, but he knew there would be someone there to, to convert it, and he was bang on. I thought the, the ball from Calvin Phillips uh, into space behind the defence for Kane to chase was excellent as well, and 
I was sort of pleased to see him back because I really rate Calvin as a player. I'm, I'm making it sound like we're mates. I've never, I've never met him. <laughs> it does seem like a nice. Like a nice I'm sure you would be friends if you, you know if if the situation arose. Um, and apart from that. I won't. I mean, I don't know Ellis, how much you want to talk about how, how good England were. Or I mean, objectively, it's hard when you're watching. I find when I'm watching England, I don't really notice the opposition players. I'm trying to be objective, but they're just kind of extras. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I'm the same. And also, what I noticed this this always happens in British derbies. No sports fans on earth take the piss like British sports fans. So I could just hear England fans again. You know, going home in the morning, whales get battered everywhere they go, etc., etc. I just thought, if this was the Senegalese or the Dutch, we wouldn't be having any of this. Senegal get battered everywhere they go. It's not going to be sung, is it? <laughs> and we, we wouldn't be having this. And, and if they weren't taking the, if they were taking the piss, I wouldn't understand it anyway. There's something particularly galling about being uh, having the piss taken out of you in language you do understand. I just think, you know, England, when they click, are a really, really good side. And I've I've never been able to understand why they don't click all of the time. I miss well, you know, it's, it's obvious, isn't it? But I mean, it's it, it was always going to be tough. I think for this for this group of players, the 2018 World Cup is the one that got away. You know, how old would Ramsey have been then? 2018, he'd have been sort of 29. You know, uh, uh, Ramsey would have been 27. So what, Bale would have been 29 and Ramsey would have been 27? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sorry, Bale would have been 29, Ramsey would have been 27. 2014, obviously, but the the team was still recovering from uh tragic death of Gary Speed. So that, that World Cup qualification campaign was never going to get anywhere because of what the players were going through. So I, I feel slightly sorry for, especially our senior players. It seems, it's, it's a sort of tournament too late, I think. Yeah, I don't know how far England can go. I think they're, I think they're a really, really good team. Um, but again, I just... I'm so despondent. I can't, I can't be objective. I'm trying, to imagine, I'm, trying, I'm trying to imagine what I'd be doing if I was in Doha now. I'd probably be walking into a kebab shop and ordering a cup of tea because it's so, it's so hard to get a drink out there. Bob says, no question, but could you please spend just a few minutes talking about that Harry Maguire run and cross? Uh, I was a shot, surely. No, I think it was a cross. No, he hit it very hard. That is a shot. <laughs> he did. That was a shot. You know when, you know when Dennis the Menace would put caps on on his dad's <laughs> golf clubs, and the ball would fly much further than he was intending. So it's a, it's one for the kids. That isn't it. But like, I um, I think it was a cross. You think it was a shot? I think it was shot. a shot. Oh, absolutely, that was a shot. I don't think it was. I think he was trying to, I think he was trying to dink it to the far <laughs> stick, and he just doesn't know how strong his legs are. Is 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 what I think. Um, I also I liked um, when Aaron Ramsey clattered into Jordan Henderson really badly he did as he was doing it say oh shit sorry yes, which was yeah. a really lovely that was a beautiful moment you don't normally see that at elite sporting level no I noticed that I thought what, lo- what an ambassador <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I thought what a, lo- what a lovely bloke he's genuinely going for the ball yeah. and he doesn't want to hurt Jordan Henderson and he's caught him there and I think I think Jermaine Jermaine Genius said on the on the on the commentary, oh, they're the ones, they're, they hurt those ones. They really really hurt. And Aaron knew that, and Jordan obviously knew that. So that apology was very impressive. I'll tell you what was impressive. Rashford seemed to hit that volley with the, um, that free kick with the side of his f- boot, and to get that power from Troy, explain how, how is that possible? Well, not that I've ever done it, Ellis, but um, it, it's just that the way that the players have been trying to manipulate the ball to give it dip and bend and they practice it over and over and over again. So they'll practice different techniques. You know, when Ronaldo first came over and how he was hitting the ball with his laces and making it dip at the last minute if you hit a certain part of the ball. So practice makes perfect. Ellis, what did you make of... I mean, Gareth Bale, he went off at half-time. He was pretty anonymous in in the first half and and, and in the game against Iran as well. He, he said he's going to carry on. I guess you. I guess the thing about Wales is you can't just, it, you know, you can't just go get Bale and Ramsey out because the depth isn't there, is it at this stage? And 
I don't want him to quit. And the thing with Bale, he has been a moments player for a few years now. He, he hasn't dominated games like he did, you know, years ago. Um, I watched, you know, I I watch, believe it or not, I watch lots of highlights reels of Gareth Bale. <laughs> and, you know, he, he's not the player he was in the first couple of years at, at Real Madrid or when he was at um, Tottenham the first time round. However, as proven in qualification, um, he does still define games with these moments and he scored both goals against Austria in the sem- in the playoff semi-final. He scored the freak against Ukraine in the playoff final. He scored some really important goals in qualifications. So you can't you can't just you know you can't just ditch him. He because also the, the our young players look up to him and I think he has such a sort of totemic talismanic quality, especially to the younger players in our squad. He, he he has to stick around, and I'm glad that he's going to stick around. He said in the press conference today that it definitely wouldn't be his final performance in a Welsh shirt. Um, but as he and Ramsey and Allen get older and approach the twilight of their careers, you have to find you have to find a way of winning matches without them. Play thirty minutes each, shouldn't they? Really, <laughs> that's what they could do. That's what was so frustrating about the 2018 uh, qualification campaign was. The statistics when those three were fit and playing together were very, very impressive in terms of our wins. When those three were on the pitch for 90 minutes, we tended to do well. Um, And they were just, one of them was always injured. Ramsey barely featured at all in that campaign. He was just injured all the time. Uh, And so Bale didn't play in the final game against Ireland. So we've had them this time round, but you know they're not they're not playing regularly for their clubs, and that just that just shows at this level. Three games in a week for Gareth Bale is 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 difficult now. So normally that is that's about every couple of months. <laughs> yeah. David says, how much of the pod looking forward to the England band playing a feeble version of Jingle Bells while accompanied by a backing track of seven thousand Senegalese drums? <laughs> Barry, are you starting to get nervous uh, uh, that England might go far in this tournament? Yeah, definitely. I. Would be very surprised if they don't beat Senegal. And I haven't looked yet to see who they could be facing after that. It's a bit too early to... Is it France, I think? It might be France, I think. They're in the same pot, pot as, draw as. Oh, okay. really? Okay, well, that's all right then. You're yeah. already safe, Barry. That's, that's made me feel a little better. Uh, England are going to win it. They're going to do it the hard way. Yeah. I can't stop um, thinking about Ellis watching Gareth Bale highlights packages. <laughs> Issy walks into the room and he slaps down his laptop screen. <laughs> oh, are you watching Bale Hub again? <laughs> Bale Tube. Uh, what, what about you, Troy? I mean, Southgate's got some interesting selection dilemmas, I guess, hasn't he? Does he, though? Because it's hard to see Rashford being left out now. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, you can't drop Foden because of the clamour for Foden. Well, Kane has to start. I mean, yeah, I'm not I'm not sure how... I think Gareth Southgate is perfectly capable of drowning out the clamour if if he yeah, needs to be. But, I mean, he's, they're very good problems for him to have, put it that way. But I think Rashford... You can't, you can't leave him out after that performance today, and Kane isn't going to be left out. So yeah, just one, it, one position left. Sadie says, "How did you rate Tom Kerridge's debut on Cocoms tonight?" So many texts and tweets, not to text people weren't texting. <laughs> so, so many tweets about Danny Gabindon sounding like Tom Kerridge. But how does everyone know what Tom Kerridge sounds? Like? I had to go onto YouTube to listen to Tom Kerridge to know who they were referring to because I wasn't sure if Tom Kerridge sounded like Guy Mowbray, Jermaine Genus or Danny Gabidon, but it's Danny Gabidon. Does Gab sound like Tom Kerridge? Well, uh, more than than Jermaine Genus and Guy Mowbray, I would (laughs) suggest, right? I mean, there's not a TV show in it, I don't think. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds the most like Tom Kerridge. Um, but He's a chef, isn't he? He's a chef. He's a chef who lost a lot of weight because the clip I... While I was watching two games, I was also watching an interview he was doing with... (laughs) With um, <laughs> on this morning about about his new book in about twenty, uh, but his weight about his weight loss, loss it's about twenty seventeen. 
So I'm not totally across <laughs> USA, Iran, just to let you know. Anyway, look, that'll do for uh, for this part. Ellis, thanks so much for coming on, mate. Appreciate it. Um, I was going to say my pleasure, then, but that would be a lie. <laughs> but listen, if if it if if it does go, if if England do go all the way, which we've established they won't because of France, then we'll have to get the same final team together as the Euros, but we'll have to do it at Barry's house. That's fine by me. I'm I'm curious to know, Ellis, how long is it going to take you to get over this crushing disappointment? It's much easier to get over the torn um, playing badly in the tournaments you've qualified for than the tournaments you've come agonisingly close to qualifying for. So this won't hurt me as much as Euro 2004 or USA 94. Or even 2018 World Cup. On like a curve of, on a curve of like, you're thinking about this so much at the moment, but like over the years, Paul Bowden's penalty will just slowly creep up and catch yes. up again on, on that. Yes, absolutely. Well, you can, uh, like, you know, drown your sorrows or do whatever you like. Ellis, thanks for coming on, mate. No, no problem. Uh, we'll be back in a second uh, looking at uh, USA's win over Iran. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to part two of the Guardian Football Weekly. Uh, so uh, the USA will join England's. Uh, in the knockouts, they beat Iran 1-0. Nick Ames is at the Al Dumama Stadium. Uh, hey, Nick, how are you doing? I'm okay, Max. I've just come downstairs from filing the first take of my match report. And uh, now I will try and sum up what we've just seen. And this game this game had what Wales-England didn't have, which was tension and sort of growing tension as the game went on. It had mounting tension. I think when we look back, it didn't really have the flashpoints and the needle sort of on or off the pitch once we got to an eye itself that maybe people expected, which is, is a good thing. Because obviously no, no, nobody wants things to, to kick off in a bad way. But the tension definitely ramped up. And by the end of that game, you, you might have seen Iran were screaming for a penalty when uh, Taremi, I think it was, um, thought he'd been pulled back at the death. And he was in very long conference with the referee, very, very long conference at full time with about five or six of their backroom staff. So so we definitely, uh, it'll be interesting to hear what Carlos Quieros, who is really short of a thought or two, um, says um, says at full time. But look, I think, um, and I've just written actually, I think it was just a, a game too far to Iran this. I think they've been under so much pressure, so much footballing pressure, so much pressure with everything going on around it. And although they've, they've tried, um, tried to bat it away, I, I think it, can only affect you. And I just felt that a very fit and very athletic US team, as we saw against England, especially that that midfield three that covers every blade of grass, I just thought they were better tonight. They were fitter. They were able to cover a lot more territory. And in the end, although in the last 20 minutes they looked to hold on to what they had, they were fairly dominant. Um, but Iran, yeah, definitely had one or two half chances to equalise, didn't they? We saw Godos for Brentford forward come on at half-time. Good headed chance, maybe was just put off by by Dest, I think it was snatched one wide, and then obviously there was a couple of very close calls at, um, towards the end. But I think I think Iran can't argue with the result. I think the US deserved it; they deserved to go through and and, and play Holland. They they were in control for a lot of that game, but I don't think we're going to forget this campaign from Iran, are we? Not not in a hurry. I think the way that they've stayed competitive especially after that first half against England when they were all over the shot for quite understandable reasons. The way that they stayed in the group and stayed competitive until the very last minute, I think, deserves enormous praise. Hmm. Um, I, I mean, I'm not really sure whatever Carlos Quiros says about that penalty incident at the end. I mean, it was shocking because the ball sort of went through Matt Turner's legs and you're thinking, it can't, this can't possibly be in the last minute of injury time. But as Danny Murphy, he rightly said, if that's a foul, then then the game's gone. And I did agree with, with Danny Murphy when he said that because it wasn't a penalty. And and But I think you're right. I mean, the US were, 
it was on my second screen, Nick, but the US looked significantly better and and actually probably should have made it easier for themselves than they did in the last 10, 20 minutes. Yeah, a couple of chances they had definitely after the after the goal. There was a, on a couple of openings and also earlier in the second half. Final ball not always there. And I think what we've seen from the US in this tournament so far is maybe that they haven't had the finish to match a lot of their good approach play. Lovely goal from Pulisic, though. Really, really off the training ground move, wasn't it? Diagonal ball from McKenney. Lovely header across by, by Destin. A sweat finish. Pulisic actually, has, as you may have seen, picked up a bit of a clattering in scoring it. Carried on for a few minutes, but didn't come back out for the second half. So that may be a concern for them. The other thing that was notable upon that goal was for the whole game, the Iran fans were fantastic. They made a hell of a racket. The noise, you know, even after full time was incredible. And they'd been in full song just as that move developed. And the silence and just the way the noise just stopped dead when the ball went in the net was almost chilling. It was just, a, you know, the pocket of, well, not pocket, more than a pocket, but significantly smaller number of US fans opposite obviously erupted, but just the way the volume changed was really stark. Um, but yeah, the Iran fans as well, a lot of credit to them. They, they came out in their numbers. It's not been easy for a lot of them. I think it's very fair to say, to put it mildly. They, some of them whistled the anthem. Uh, the players all sang it to differing degrees of enthusiasm, I would say. But when the game started, they, they really got behind their team. And, you know, I, I, I feel for them. Nick, thanks so much for coming on, mate. Appreciate it. Thank you very much, Max. Uh, Nick Ames there uh, out uh, at the stadium. Um, pretty much Nick sort of summed it up pretty well, I thought there, Troy. But um, the, the USA deserved it, didn't they? Yeah. I mean, I was watching it in the background. Um, it was a very competitive game. Very competitive, and you can imagine why. And then when I finally focused in on it with about 12 minutes to go, um, it wasn't backs to the wall stuff, but Iran were throwing everything at them, weren't they? And and then there was the breakaways, the counterattacks, the the 3v2s and, and stuff like that. So, it, listen, for me, it looked like a really good game, really competitive. I think they all left everything out there. You could see that by the end of it as everyone fell to the floor almost. Um, never a penalty in a million years. I don't even know why it was even being discussed so much. Never a penalty. Um, but USA will be pleased. They'll be pleased because I think they could cause Holland some problems. Um, I, I'm this Dutch team. Listen, you get through, you win your games, you get to the next round, you go to the knockouts. It's anyone's game. But if... If USA can utilise the energy they had against England and the little bits of quality and fingers crossed that Pulisic is fit, um, then I think they'll can cause them some problems. Um, and potentially, if, if they're really up for it and haven't exudes too much energy, um, probably get over the line in that game as well. Do you go with that, Baz? Yeah, I could definitely see them causing the Dutch problems. The only concern I'd have is that their passage to the knockout stages have been a lot more intense and draining than than the Netherlands just the way the Netherlands games were were plotted they had a very easy one today yeah that, i mean the last 15 minutes of that Iran USA game were, <laughs> were stressful and i i didn't have a dog in the fight and there was one stage right at the end where Hadji Wright who'd come on as a sub for the states he he missed with a terrible effort but you're just going, why, why are you shooting? Go run to yeah. the corner, run to the yeah, corner. It was, it was John Barnes in 89, <laughs> wasn't it? Oh, oh, the you know, there's, there's, there's something about, you know, this amazing amount of injury time that when you are when you are in neutral and a game's tense and then it says nine, you're like, brilliant. Yeah. I want an, I've got another nine minutes of this and I'm delighted. On, on comms, I enjoyed uh, Danny Murphy saying uh, this. I didn't see it, but someone's... A producer Joel found it going, uh, as Atalahi got some fizz and whip and dip on that. That's a lot of things on, on, on whatever strike that he got that. And uh, Greg Behalter's T-shirt. What did you think of anyone? So that was very casual. That's the most casual I think I've seen a manager. Look like a sort of, uh, sort of a bassist in Pearl Jam or something. You know, like not trying to, it's not stealing the scene, but really not. Not my genre of music. Very so casual. I'm, I'm pretty sure yeah. that's the okay. worst band you could have picked, Max, because I don't I really think the bassist <laughs> in Pearl Jam ever wears a shirt. He tends to go topless. 
<laughs> Isn't that the Red Hot Chili Peppers, or are they the same? I mean, who knows? Oh, I'm, I'm thinking of Flea. Yeah, sorry. I'm, yes, I'm mistaken. He's in, the, he's in the Chili Peppers. I don't know who the bassist for Pearl Jam is. I also used the wrong Al Pacino and Robert De Niro film uh, when I said about them getting old and mentioned Heat, which is a brilliant film. And I, uh, many people got in touch to say you should have picked The Irishman. And I should have done because that was terrible. On to Group A then. Uh, Netherlands top it. Senegal second. Uh, Ecuador came third. C- Qatar uh, zero points. The big game was Ecuador-Senegal. Winner goes through and Senegal did it 2-1. The first out, the first time they've made the knockouts for 20 years. They celebrated with a flag of Papa Bouba Diop, who passed away two years ago today. Uh, and Troy, like, impressive. is it impressive for them to have achieved this without Sadio Mane? Or is this where they I should have finished? I think it was very impressive. Um, you know, there was a lot of doom and gloom when obviously it was finally announced. I think it was announced twice, wasn't it, that Mane was was definitely not going to make it. And there must have been an air of what we're going to do now, you know, without our star man. But this game, the game that I focused on, um, for obvious reasons, by the way, Senegal were, were superb. Ecuador got what they deserved. You know, they went out there almost as if, well, all we've got to do is get a draw. And I I don't like nations that approach games in that way. That's why I've got no sympathy for Switzerland. There was a lot of noise yesterday about how well Switzerland played. No, they didn't want to win the game. And that's why they lost ultimately. And I think the same here. When Ecuador noticed that, you know, Senegal were cutting them open at will in the first five or so minutes, they made some changes to make sure that they were harder to get at. And the game did have a lull in the middle of the first half. But come the changes from Ecuador in the second half, um, when they stabilised, when they got their goal, when it seemed like they were, that was it now. Obviously, Senegal went and punched them less than two minutes later, or two, two and a half, two, two minutes, 30 seconds later. Thoroughly deserved victory, well played, should be entertaining whoever they play in the qualifiers. And we know what the options are there as well, in the knockout, sorry. Are you just parroting the lines you heard from some no mark that was on Colcom's yes, variety? I've written them all. <laughs> Who was that, by the way? <laughs> I've written them all down, Barry. They're in front of me. I'm just some lad who shares the same last name. I'm not even sure if we're acquainted properly, but we definitely haven't been over the last period of time. But yeah, I've just quoted everything that he's put down there. That's for sure. He's getting it. He's having a really good World Cup, isn't he, Andros? You know, so like someone has a good. Well, like Ali McCoy and John Champion did the last time. Him and Seb Hutchinson, both friends of the pods. You know, they're the they're the breakout. Forget <laughs> Cody Gakpo. The breakout stars are Seb Hutchinson and Andros Townsend. Do you feel proud? Or you're like, come on, mate. You be the footballer. I'm the one who's going to talk. They're about enjoying it. each other's company. Um, and in, in enjoying that, I think they're making a really good spectacle. And obviously, everyone could say that I'm a little bit biased, but they're making a really good spectacle for the viewer. Um, what has impressed me is the fact that he's obviously doing his homework, which he never used to like when he was at school. So he's doing his homework. He's he's giving his you know analysis as a current player. Um, him and Seb seem to be bouncing off of each other, which again is brilliant not only for Andros but also for Seb. Seb is you know it's his first World Cup. He's 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 been just as good um, as, a, as obviously the main commentator as, as anybody else. And I just think that they've dovetailed really well. And I think when you're a viewer, that, that's what you want to hear. Two commentators that dovetail really well. And I think that's what they're doing. Who knew, Barry, enjoying someone else's company would actually make a broadcasting product better? <laughs> we should have thought about that, <laughs> shouldn't we? Anyway, uh, listen, only half of our audience get the UK coverage. The other half are going... I don't care about any of this. Uh, got to talk about Alu Cisse as well. You know, captain in 02, as a skipper, got them to their first AFCON final, the first World Cup quarter final. Uh, as a coach, got them to their second AFCON final, got them to their first AFCON title, and now to their second World Cup knockout stage. And and managed it really well, I, I thought, Barry. But as Troy's said, Ecuador kind of helped them, didn't they? Yeah, look, I must confess, I, I was focused on the Netherlands-Qatar game, so I've only seen highlights of this game. But from what I gather, Ecuador, they did the, the Elan that they played with in their opening two games was missing, and I suppose that's understandable because they wanted to protect what they had. And it seems to have backfired on them. After they'd fallen behind, they equalised, and then letting in that second goal was fairly unforgivable just so quickly after restoring parity just to to let senegal score from a set piece it sort of showed maybe a lack of focus but it, it was a I'm, pretty I'm more good shocked goal. that you watched holland versus qatar knowing what the result would be rather than listening to my son's 
you know, performance, you know, on the other channel. You know, I'm really shocked about that, to be fair. I'm, I'm afraid I was uh, professionally <laughs> obliged to watch uh, Holland, Katara, and would have watched the other one, given the choice. So, um, yeah, but, I mean, Ecuador's players were absolutely devastated after the game, just lying face down on the turf, sobbing uncontrollably. It's, it's always quite sad to see. Uh, but I think they probably have no one but themselves to blame. Yeah, they never got up ahead of steam, which is what you know. You watched how South Korea did, even if it was a, a group game, you know, against Ghana yesterday. You know, they really did the last 20 minutes absolutely going at it. And, and Ecuador never really did that. And, and you know, the penalty they gave away was daft as well, Troy. I, I tweeted a daft Ecuadorian challenge, to which the replies were good. Curtis said, Does that start Jeremy Clarkson and Richard Hammond? Uh, Josh says, Sounds like the name of a new comedy series starring Lee Mack. Um, but, like, it's. It's silly, isn't it? You just like it's fine margins these games, you know, and and you just I say you can't be doing that. He obviously did that, but it, it was, was just so in keeping silly. with the way they were playing, Max. You know, yeah, it was a it was a silly challenge, um, without much chance of getting to the ball first. But it was their whole approach in that first half. Like I said, they stabilised a little bit during the first half where they gained possession. But I'm watching the game and a guy that scored three goals, I never heard his name. I never heard Valencia's name in and around the box. And that shows that he was starved of of any kind of uh, ball to his feet. He, he was starved of things to run onto. It was just a very, very strange approach. And like I said, now they've only got themselves to blame because they can't do it all again. They're out, you know, when potentially they're on a par with Senegal and could cause problems, could have caused problems in the knockouts. But I, I put the focus on the manager. I blame the manager for the setup. I blame the manager for the way that maybe they approached the game and potentially would have had a team talk before the game started. You, you can't turn those things around. This is the World Cup where anybody seems to be beating anybody, apart from obviously the game that Barry watched. And, and Valencia, you did notice him when he did that incredible dive trying to get in a Senegalese player sent off. Was he injured? Because he injured his knee yeah. in the first game and then he injured again in the second. And I presume that would be the last we'd see him. Yeah, was the second game the one that he came off on a stretcher? Yeah, he yeah. might have been. He may well have been. But like I said, their tactics did nothing to bring him into the game. And and yeah, the dive or the, the, the effort to, to get someone sent off kind of summed up again another way of summing up the game from the Ecuadorians. Ecuador have a, had a substitute called Djokaev Riasco, uh, named after Yuri Djokaev. It did make me wonder what French international surname would most suit you as a Christian name, Barry, and I went for <laughs> Leboeuf Glendening. I thought that would be really excellent. Uh, Idrissa Gay was booked, yeah. so he's out, which is a, which is a big, big loss for them uh, in the knockouts. Thomas says, do you think anyone around the country was waiting for giant lobster hunters on ITV4 and had to sit and watch Senegal, Ecuador, Instead, uh, uh, Giant Lobster Hunters, the synopsis, life at sea can be a lonely place, especially when you're not catching lobsters. The pots of Skipper Squizzy and Decky Tabor are coming up empty because the mysterious pyrosomes are back. So there you are. It took me a while to find this game. I was looking at it going, it's on ITV4, so suddenly it'll be if Netherlands have to win, then escape to the country can get a draw, and then they're in the knockouts. Maybe that's how it works. Anyway, that, that'll do uh, for that game, and uh, we'll talk about Netherlands-Qatar for about one minute in part three. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Welcome to part three of the Guardian Football Weekly. So, Netherlands beat Qatar 2-0. Qatar become the first host nation to lose all their games. Uh, Barry, you were, as we've established on the minute by minute for this one, getting the big gigs this tournament. <laughs> it was a terrible game. I mean, Netherlands only won 2-0, but it couldn't have been more straightforward. At times, the pace was utterly pedestrian. Um, Qatar have offered almost nothing in this tournament. They're just not good enough to... They shouldn't. Well, obviously, they're the host tournament, so they have to be in it. But they're 
way out of their depth. I think that was quite obvious after their opening game. And so it didn't amount to much more than a training exercise for Holland. Just a few observations. I mean, Memphis Depay still looks off the pace. He came off the bench in their first two games. He started this one. He looked knackered at halftime. He's he's coming back from a hamstring injury, which has had him sidelined for a good while. Uh, they give the ball away a lot. And Louis Vigal seems to have sort of a core group of 15, 16 players that he trusts implicitly. And then 10 Connor Cody's making up the rest of his squad. God, the, the atmosphere must be amazing if there are 10 Connor Cody's, doesn't it? <laughs> well, is considering they're Dutch, they're probably 10 very confident, argumentative <laughs> Connor Cody's who all think they should be in the starting lineup. Like, I thought this game, you know, I've, I've been banging the drum for this young lad, Xavi Simmons, who, on the basis of one performance I saw him playing against Arsenal, where he ripped him asunder with Cody Gakpo. I he's, he's in the squad. He's 19 years old. He's, he's uncapped. Give him 10 minutes, you know, at the end. Why not? Sure, yeah. But he didn't. And I, I thought he would, but he, he didn't. No sign of warming up or anything. And, yeah, so I don't... Holland have made the way to the knockout stages with fairly serene progress, and I don't think they've been particularly impressive so far, but they beat Senegal, they drew with Ecuador, and they this couldn't have been easier for them. And Qatar... Pretty hopeless. I'm not sure what the fans were expecting for them, but if I was a Qatari player, I'd have been very disappointed to come out for the the national anthem and see the stadium not much more than half full. That must be quite dispiriting. And I wonder what the, the Qatar fans were expecting from their team. They all left halfway through their opening game and obviously decided not to come back. I love I love the opening game of World Cup. So we beat the rush, Dave. Yeah, I think we probably should. You know, <laughs> and then I mean they had a few promising attacks in this game, getting the ball down the left wing, where Den- Denzel Dumfries, you know, had was given plenty to think. They got a few crosses into the box, but there was never any Qatar players in the box to to try and get in the end of those crosses. So, uh, yeah, they they were poor, very poor, and I've no idea how good the Netherlands are. All right, on to um, any other business then. Um, uh, uh, you may have seen Hassan Al-Tawadi, uh, the Qatari official uh, who's been doing the rounds, did an interview on TalkSport, has done an interview with Piers Morgan. He was responsible for delivery of the 2022 World Cup. He said to Piers Morgan, the number of migrant workers who've died on World Cup-related projects is between four and 500. He is the Secretary General of the Supreme Committee for Delivery and Legacy. He made the admission in an interview, but said a precise figure for the number of fatalities was, quote, still being discussed. This is a very strange sentence. Prior to that, the Supreme Committee maintained there have only been three work-related fatalities, 37 non-work-related deaths among migrant workers at World Cup stadiums since construction for the tournament began in 2014. Obviously, lots of reaction to this on social media. I thought James Lynch from Fair Square sort of nailed it, saying, look, a casual assertion like this during a media interview midway through the tournament with no details provided just raises more questions and highlights the shambolic way the Qatari authorities have dealt with the issue of workers' deaths for a decade and more. We obviously will cover more of this. We have covered it already, and uh, it's a story that won't go away, and we will keep covering it. Uh, Elsewhere, the entire board of Juventus, including the president, Andrea Agnelli, have announced their resignations. Comes after Juve's financial statements underwent scrutiny by prosecutors and the Italian market regulator Consob, in recent months for alleged false accounting and market manipulation. The company has denied any wrongdoing. La Liga have called for several actions to be taken against Juve following allegations of financial fair play. Um, makes you wonder what the relationship between the three remaining Super League clubs is. If it's, uh, you know, if they're saying, well, we know, we're all in this together, but actually now, <laughs> now you're fired. Nicky Bandini is on on Saturday, so we will cover the story in more detail then. Uh, here's one for you, Troy. Uh, Will mentioning Efren Okoko on commentary duties with a philosophical angle on the on-target debate. Danny Murphy, I think, is in your camp as well, Troy. Efren says, it's harsh that the ball hitting the woodwork isn't considered on target because without the post and the crossbar, (laughs) the net falls down. I mean, I saw that last night and thought, yeah, brilliant. There's another one in my camp, like you said. I I will take this argument all the way if you want me to. I I don't mind. I mean, it's part of the goal. It's on target. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, Effen is right. Without the post and the crossbar, it is just, it's just a net the on the floor, isn't the it? Game. It changes yeah, exactly. the, the whole game. Exactly. is completely changed. Yeah. <laughs> there aren't enough, 
They don't have long reads on the importance of the posts and the crossbar. Neil says, what is a good spin rate? I'm not an angry man shouting at clouds about new statistics on the screen. I just want to know what number I should be impressed with. Uh, also, does anyone know where the ball is when it's in contest? Have you seen these new stats? When a shot is taken, it shows you the speed that it's kicked at and then, at, you know, and then the speed goes down and down, but it also has this, the spin rate on the ball. And obviously, like, if you are, if you're a leg spinner, you know, if you are Moen Ali, you're like oh, Adil Rashid, right? That kind of matters, right? The revolutions you're getting on the ball actually matters if you're Nathan Lyon. But if you're a footballer, does it, I quite like it when, the, as I've said, the ball stays ball when it's zero. That is the ultimate spin rate for me is you've actually kicked this ball so purely it doesn't even spin once. But I, I can't answer you, Neil. I don't know if anyone else has any advances on what a good, what, what, you, what you should be impressed with when I, you get I've the spin rate. I've seen, I think, every, I think I've missed two games so far. I'm com- this is complete news <laughs> no, to I've, me. I've got I it now. I, I did see it in a game and without taking much notice, I just thought, what is that? Um, and now you've explained it to me, mm. Max. So I haven't got an opinion on it because it, it obviously doesn't catch the eye of everybody, to be totally no, honest. No. Me and Barry being two of those people. I presume this is that sensor inside, inside the, the Adidas ball balls, yeah. Established that Cristiano Ronaldo definitely didn't score mm, yesterday. I think that. so, yeah. So when it really spins, the sensor says, I'm awfully dizzy. That's what eventually <laughs> what happens. Um, Scott says, uh, with regards to uh, you know uh, me and Chris Martin, Barry, Scott says kidnapping Chris Martin to be some sort of sex slave for the current Mrs. Russian is far from vanilla, Barry. It's very good point that Scott makes. Uh, don't worry, Chris. It would be a much more platonic kidnapping, I'd like to point out. Uh, we'd feed you well, and you could leave pretty soon afterwards. And on the subject of people dreaming about Football Weekly, we'll end with this one from Conrad, who says, Hi, Pod, following the vein of uh, Max Rushton Overload, he's once again appeared in a listener's dream. My friend's dream, uh, uh, he's too shy to email you, so I will be retelling his story. He was in Vietnam at the time. Uh, in the dream, Max was crossing London Bridge with my friend Toby, and there was a parkour course at the end of the bridge, and Max attempted it. He slipped, fell, and hit his head on an obstacle and died on impact. <laughs> he is... <laughs> My friend is now traumatised when he sees Max's face on Twitter. Hope this isn't too graphic for the pod. Huge fan. Well, you know, there's a, is there ever a reason not to attempt parkour? There it is. Uh, otherwise, I was I was bang up for it. I reckon I could have been really quite good. But um, got a bleak I'm way to finish the pod. I'm people's dreams, Max. We'll leave it there. Yeah. Well, one day, Trey. You never know. <laughs> uh, anyway, that'll do for today's pod. Thank you, Barry. Uh, you're welcome, Thanks, Max. Thank you, Troy. Thanks to everyone else who turned up for a little bit but couldn't be bothered to do the whole pod. Uh, send our best Will to Andros, Troy. I mean, I've got his number, so we're booking him in. We're booking him in in the new year. There can only be one Townsend on this pod. We saw Andy, the, the, the real Andy, one. Troy, yeah, Andros. We've got Andros. Yeah. I'm guessing we can't afford Junior, so we're stuck with the old man. <laughs> we could do a father and son one. We could do like it, you know, getting to. You could get. We'll get him on. We'll have a family pod. Why what, not? Just me and him, yeah? And the rest of you lot just listening in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can have you and him, me and Barry, find out who says, to be totally honest, at home with the Townsends. There we go. Be great, wouldn't it? Uh, anyway, Football Weekly was produced by Joel Grove. Our executive producer is Christian Bennett. This is The Guardian. <laughs> 